Bakeless Nation, it is the second Friday of December, and it's time to welcome you to our Friday weekly roll-up. We got Bitcoin above 40K. Welcome to the bull market, my friends. I think it's bull season. How about you, David? Are we calling it? Is it official? We've we've been we've warming up it. to the idea. Did we? Did we? Yeah. Have we already called we it? We already called that we were entering uh, the bull market, and now I'm like ready to just welcome people. I'm just okay. like, you can't, you can't even deny it now. With, it's no longer it's no longer like 90 10 it's now like 99 1 it's no longer in dispute this is the okay. bull market and so i just want to cordially yeah. welcome everyone to the weekly roll up on the bull market we are officially there december 2023 it took us how long not too long honestly it was a sh- it here. was like in the grand scheme of things it was a short bear market it was right. a it was a one year of down one year of flat whereas last bear market it was one year of down two years of flat Yes, if this is your first uh, cycle or you're going to your second cycle, then consider yourself blessed. That bear market wasn't so bad, all things uh, considered, I I guess. Back in my day, our bear market (laughs) lasted two years. There we go. There we go. Uh, Grandpa Bankless. Uh, David, what do we got to cover this week? What are the topics? Yeah, the markets downstream of Bitcoin are getting hotter. Solana airdrop season at the time of recording. Jito, the, uh, the combo Lido plus Mev Boost application on Solana just had its airdrop. It's probably going to be one of the most hot tokens in the Solana ecosystem. Just started trading. So we're going to take a look at what it is trading at and how much wealth was distributed to Jito Soul holders. Uh, GameFi tokens also moving. But most bullishly, we have specific dates, at least a very specific window for the dates for a spot Bitcoin ETF. And that is just the market section. What else we got, Ryan? We got crypto back in the crosshairs on Capitol Hill. So the U.S. Treasury wants to clamp down on crypto, imposing what might be and I quote, the broadest expansions of power since the Patriot Act. Oh. It's not good. Treasury's not saying good things. Also, okay, I'm going to do the market section. You're going to do that section. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do the sad <laughs> stuff. Also, in a typical banker move, uh, Jamie Diamond bent the knee to Elizabeth Warren in front of Congress today. I, I mm-hmm. think he's getting aboard the anti-crypto army. He, of course, is the CEO of JP Morgan, $3 trillion in assets. So we'll mm-hmm. talk about this. But there's good news. Man, mm-hmm. you get all the good news stuff. What, what's, I, I get, crypto's I get the been good building, stuff. right? Yeah. What are we building? Uh, Coinbase wallet gets some payment infrastructure that has way better UX than probably what you're used to. Uh, we got a bunch of new liquid staking, uh, updates to talk about that all lead into a big eigenlayer update as well as eigenlayer opening up the doors for more ether deposits. We will see how long it takes for eigenlayer to reach its cap. Uh, every other time like eigenlayer has reached its cap, it was very, very quickly under, under hours. Anyway, so we're going to get to all of that stuff, especially the market section, big, hot market section this week. But first we're going to talk to our friends over at Avo, previously known as Ribbon Finance. They've been uh, dominating the DeFi landscape within the options and perpetuals world. 70, 70% market share, I believe is what they've got. Number one options and perps decks in crypto. Uh, you could have traded Gito before it went live. Well, you can still trade it uh, as perps on um, on Avo. So for all of those tokens that are not yet distributed, you can start to speculate them, uh, speculate on futures for them on Avo. Uh, and you can get started with that in the link in the show notes, uh, bankless.cc slash A-E-V-O. Interestingly, while you trade on Avo, you are also getting 4.7% yield uh, because that is what is going on in AVO in the background, not just Blast. The only people who can access AVO, David, are people who live in the United States of America, my friend. And so, uh, uh, U.S. listeners, you can thank your friendly uh, CFTC regulators for that one. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's no get to the markets, David. Yeah. Uh, good news. We are above 40K in Bitcoin mm-hmm. land. What's the What's the price this week? Yeah, started the week at 38,800, up 12% on the week. I think we're at wow. like two, double three digit. weeks in a row of double-digit moves in Bitcoin world, yep. currently coming in at $43,600. And Ryan, mainstream is starting to pick up on the Bitcoin rally. Bloomberg had this article talking about the Bitcoin hype mania that goes into overdrive as it passes $42,000. Here's a quote. Bitcoin topping $42,000 is just the start of a fresh crypto super cycle. What? We just saw the word <laughs> super cycle in Bloomberg. A start of a fresh oh, crypto super silly. cycle that will push the world's biggest token above $500,000 in what adherents say is a new monetary order taking Wall Street by storm. So really really bullish <laughs> words coming out that? of Bloomberg. Yeah. D- just so uh-huh. you know, you guys know at Bloomberg, super cycle actually meant that, you know, a cycle that never dies. No bear market. That was a, an old uh, three hours capital Suzu thing. But, uh, but super thanks for including cycle. that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It does sound great. Um, how about this one, David? This is, uh, well, Bitcoin is up 130% on the year. It's actually just an average year for Bitcoin. <laughs> if you look at like full historical context. Now, this is not necessarily a predictor moving forward. Of course, mm-hmm. I think, you know, th- things can't always be in, um, overdrive exponential right. growth territory, but what are we looking at here? Yeah, we're looking at just the yearly returns of Bitcoin from inception. We have three insanely positive years that we are never going to get back. So don't put your expectations there. 2013, Bitcoin went up 5,200%. 2011, 1,400%. 2017, 1,300%. And then the three worst years, 2014, negative 56%. 2022, negative 64%. 2018, negative 73%. We are smack in the middle at a 100, a reasonable, healthy, 128 percent year over year ryan i remember about a year ago when we were talking about the if the four-year cycle uh meme played out again we were going to look back on the year that was 2023 and it was going to be a year of perceived pain perceived bearishness and then when we look back on it it's going to be up only and that is exactly what happened 2023 we're up 138 percent and it really didn't feel bullish until q4 but really, it's been up. It's been up the entire year, David. I gotta say, my friend, we are right on schedule, are we not? We're right I on mean, schedule. It yeah. feels like the bear market was short, but also the bull market is right on schedule in these four-year yeah. cycles. Uh, David, let's talk about another schedule, which is when are we gonna get the Bitcoin spot ETF? You promised some dates. Give us the dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is uh, James Safer, who now says the window is officially January fifth through January 10th. I already knew this because this is when I go find my Horcrux. Uh, (laughs) And he says, really, this means that any potential approval orders are going to come either Monday or Tuesday because, you know, the prior two days or the weekend, Monday, January 8th or Tuesday, January 9th, or perhaps Wednesday, January 10th. Uh, Mark your calendars, people. Okay, so Uh, you're going to be in the Shout out Fitzroy Mountain in Patagonia where the Bitcoin ETF Horcrux (laughs) will be destroyed. That is why I'm doing this. Wait, so I'm going to have to do a show that day on my own. And yeah, I'm just you need be to like, schedule a show without me because I will be on a mountain. All right, man. Well, I'm, I'm happy to do that. You just fight your fight, okay? Yeah. You get this done for us, I'll, David. I'm doing my part. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great to have some dates for, for when you're going to destroy that mm-hmm. Horcrux and when we get there. Can, can you do the ether one after that, please? Oh, like, yeah. So favor. that's in July. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. July. Well, well, I, I, that what mountain is, on is that, either. David? In Switzerland. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, let's talk about uh, Ether price on the week. Thank you to these wonderful charts from Kraken Pro that are showing us They look us even this. more beautiful the more yeah. green and up they are. I like the green lines, uh, especially the ones that are very long and tall. Uh, and we got <laughs> <laughs> we got some long and tall ones this week. What are we at on ETH price? Uh, ETH price starting the week at $2,100, up 11% to 2330 coming in with a last minute green candle right before we started recording this Thursday morning. Um, and also some burn metrics, if you will entertain me, Ryan. We got some burn metrics to talk I'm about. I'm happy to entertain the yeah. burn metrics. A weekly burn of negative 0.77% with a monthly Damn. burn of 0.47%. So we are accelerating in our deflation of the ETH supply. If the US dollar inflated by 3% uh, month over month by over the last year, the ETH deflated by... 0.47% year over year uh, with accelerating uh, burn because of the gas prices. Activity, layer one activity is up bigly. We are also, Ryan, approaching new ETH lows in ETH supply after two months of inflation. We had an inflationary period of September to October in which on-chain activity was just basically dead. But it's yeah, coming back. One day, that deflation is going to make its way in the price of Ether. One day. It's, you know, I, it feels uh, almost criminal to see it some does. of these other assets really uh, flying so high and Ether's just lagging behind, yeah. my friend. So yeah, ultrasound yeah, yeah. money is not helping it out right now from a price perspective. But mm-hmm. I guess we should be grateful. Uh, does that mean the ratio is flat on the week? Uh, ratio is pretty flat. Yeah, it's pretty flat. Yep. A 0.054. Uh, it's flat and low. Is setting it's at a it's at a long term like floor threshold of the ETH ratio to Bitcoin. Okay, uh, let's get the juices flowing. Tell me about some tokens that we're really moving this week. Uh, the okay. first is th- I don't, this doesn't do anything for my juices. This is Bonk, but you wanted to include it. Uh, what in the world is Bonk, and why <laughs> did it just go up one hundred and seventy percent last week and twelve hundred percent on the month, hitting a one billion dollar valuation? I, I'm I'm sure this is like a new revolutionary layer one, right? Something yeah. very cool. Not at all. Uh, it is it is basically the socially enshrined uh, meme coin of Solana. 
uh, the story of Bonk, it's kind of like a doggy coin. It's basically a doggy coin, the dog oh. coin of the people of Solana. Oh. Okay. The bonk, the bonk, uh, how they became the socially enshrined like meme coin of Solana is like they did, whoever minted this thing kind of just did the distribution play. So they just like gave bonk out across the ecosystem. Uh, and then everyone was like, oh, we all own bonk. I'm, I don't, I lo- I now love this thing. Uh, <laughs> and now, now that like, so, uh, soul price is up bigly. Uh, so Solana is getting like this wealth effect from airdrops. Uh, we all know that meme coins are just like an inherent f- feature of life in the crypto world. Yep. Uh, Bonk has just rocketed over the last month, 1200% in a month, hitting a $1 billion valuation. Well, it's definitely a bull market if we've got the dog coins back, David. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another one, Beam. Uh, tell mm-hmm. me about Beam. Yeah, Beam is in the GameFi sector. Uh, I recently did an interview with one of their founders, Marco. Um, the Beam is also a product. It's a crypto gaming tech stack that is a product out of Merit Circle, which is a DAO. A little bit like YGG, Ryan, if you remember that, but that was specifically a gamer's guild. This is more yeah. of a DAO in the traditional sense. Is like they have investments, they build products, they just do a little bit of every, everything. Uh, Beam, which is their gaming tech stack, up almost 300% since last October. Wow. It's built, it started on... Um, uh, an avalanche subnet on the gaming focus avalanche subnet um, their price appreciation was triggered by the strategic partnership with Pantera Capital which is when some of the, the price started moving uh, pretty bigly and uh, Pantera it's just announced that they have a lot of beam tokens and then the most recent news is that they're actually migrating from avalanche to immutable uh, oh. they're, they're saying they're keeping all of their pre-existing infrastructure on Avalanche. They're just now also deploying on Immutable to keep it politically uh, balanced. Uh, but yeah, so the the whole idea is that Immutable teamed up with Polygon because Immutable was going after gaming, Polygon was going after gaming, and they're like, well, let's just bring these forces <laughs> together. Uh, Immutable, and so Polygon is now the underlying tech stack. Immutable is more of like the gaming infra. Uh, Merit Circle and Beam are now also gaming, get like... Um, uh, gaming infra, but kind of at a higher level than Immutable. Uh, and so all of these three things are just f- are coming together to be more or less what is crypto gaming is now, com- I would say, the Immutable ecosystem. Yeah, with G- GameFi is back on the menu, it sounds like. A little yes. narrative brewing with uh, yeah, the yeah. Immutable. And, you know, Vance and, and Michael from Framework, I, I think we put that episode out this week. Um, yeah. They got me mm-hmm. bullish on a little yeah. bit of GameFi. I think we're making yeah. a comeback here. Yeah. Uh, David, tell, tell me about the total crypto market cap. What are we at? trillion, which is up over $200 billion since last week. What? Yeah. Yeah, that that was a big move. I mean, Bitcoin's just been painting numbers, bro. Yeah, and when Bitcoin moves, moves. yeah, it it adds to the crypto market cap, that's for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Bitcoin, David, you know something else that's been moving? I noticed this. This is the cryptofees.info. Look Mm -hmm. at Bitcoin on the Mm seven-day average fee. It is almost Ethereum level. It's meaningful. It's, it's meaningful. very meaningful. Actually, look at the, these these one day fees. Is basically second place to uh-huh. Ethereum. So from a one day perspective, Ethereum sold about fifteen million dollars in one day of block space. Wow, go Ethereum! Bitcoin sold twelve million though. Mm-hmm. David, it doesn't usually do that. Usually, no, it it's not. way down on the list. You know, bringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember a few months ago is just bringing in like a few hundred k uh, right. per day on the on the daily fees. So what is mm-hmm. going on? Who's buying all this? Uh, where's all this Bitcoin block space demand coming from? Yeah, so this is coming out of ordinals, out of the BRC20 tokens, uh, which I think is like the inscription. There's like this BRC20 inscription ordinals phenomenon. Bitcoin is just congested because of Bitcoin's internal like token standard. Uh, also, what happened this week, Ryan, is that uh, the Bitcoin mempool hit its highest level of load ever. Like Basically, just like the m- highest number of awaiting transactions to be confirmed ever. Mm-hmm. This is the most, it's the most block space demand that Bitcoin has ever seen. Uh, over 280,000 transactions were waiting to be confirmed. The size of transactions waiting to be added to Bitcoin <laughs> reached 1.57 gigabytes, what? which is nuts. Uh, just, it's all ordinals. It's all ordinals. This so, like, mean- I, we were talking about, like, Frentech versus yeah. Ordinals. Like, the, friend, yeah. the Ordinals movement just died out, and Frentech lasted way longer. And now Frentech's dead, and Ordinals are back. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's also weird is uh, Bitcoin is becoming, like, a token platform? Bitcoin, like, I, I thought I'd never see it. The Bitcoin of 2023 yeah. is, like, people, the community's getting excited about tokens. They're getting excited about NFTs. That, that used to be just Ethereum shtick, and now Bitcoin is moving over there. Uh, whereas, on, you know, in the Ethereum world, we're talking about ETH is money. It's kind of an interesting flip-flop or maybe a, a, a convergence there, that this bull cycle. But how is uh, Near Protocol involved in this? Uh, you, you included this in this section. 
Yeah, so Near Protocol also has a record high of transactions. Uh, 13.2 million transactions in 24 hours. With And Near also has a burn with 350,000 Near tokens burned. Uh, where did all this crazy demand come from? From Near inscriptions. And this is also not the only chain that is experiencing the in- inscription effect. Wait, what do, you, uh, what do you mean near near inscription? So is this ins- on inscriptions the near are just layer a one? phenomenon? They're just a, they're just a standard. And Does so, this have like, anything to do with like the Bitcoin uh, network? Nope. Well, other than the fact, it's more about inscriptions. It has, oh. There's no tie formally to the Bitcoin network. It's just like inscription inscriptions on Bitcoin. And then there was ETH scriptions, which started on um, then after the Bitcoin whole thing with uh, with Ethereum. Then Solana got it, and then now Near got it, and I th- I, I would guess. I don't have a link handy, but I would guess Avalanche also has it too. There's just like this locus of inscriptions going around. Well, what do you mean by all inscriptions for pe- people who aren't familiar? Like I understand why Bitcoin needs this, right? It's because they don't have a smart contract, like a virtual machine environment. So they do their BRC20s as inscriptions. They do NFTs as inscriptions. Why in the world would somebody be purchasing inscriptions in a like a virtual machine in something like Near? I don't know. I've always considered inscriptions to be like a uh, rudimentary form, like very blunt, primitive form of an NFT. Mm. Uh, and they're super inefficient. You can't do very much with them by comparison of an NFT. Um, they just consume a ton of block space and they're pretty expensive. And for some reason, uh, people people love them. Okay, I get I get why Bitcoin's doing it. I, I get I'm, why Bitcoin's doing I'm, it. I'm writing this off for for other smart contract platforms. Is oh, that's a thing I don't understand. And before we get into the rest of the news, Ryan, I want to I want to shout out our friend friend of the pod, Kyla Scanlon, who uh, just retweeted this tweet from Dictionary.com. The term vibe session refers to widespread pessimism about the economy, regardless of actual economic situations. Learn more about its term and its origin. Its origin is Kyla Scanlon. She coined this term vibe session to talk about, well, the c- consumers of the economy feel bad, but the fundamentals of the economy <laughs> look good. And she's uh, saying that's what we've been in for the that's past what we've been like, in for the f- year or so. Uh, yeah, po- even pre-Silicon Valley banking crisis. And uh, I mean, she's a prolific content producer. She's absolutely hilarious. Uh, some surreal Zoomer humor. Uh, and she got a word into the dictionary that she invented because of just the content that everyone appreciates. So just big shout out to Kyla Scanlon and congrats for inventing a word. Is that the story? Is that what we've been on in, in, uh, like a vibe Mm -hmm. session? Is she right? I I saw this tweet this week too. Uh, the U S economy GDP growth, 5.2% inflation was zero last month. Wage growth remains robust. Strongest recovery in the G seven. This is talking about the U S uh, lowest uninsured rate in U.S. history. Medium wealth up uh, 37%. Down nearing all-time highs. This person is saying, uh, well done all. A lot of metrics look pretty strong in the economy. It's, I, um, you know, this recession that people have been talking about has has never come. Were we just in the vibe session, I guess? Perhaps. I'm always slightly skeptical about uh, metrics reporting truth. There's There's truth and then there are metrics. Uh, and these things aren't always the same. Sometimes consumer sentiment is just as valid of a metric as others. Um, but to the actual truth behind the scenes, I'm not really sure. But Vibe Session has caught enough of uh, resonance with people that it's added to the dictionary. Well, it's interesting because it's political season. So there's lots of political reasons entering 2024 that people would want to be optimistic about the economy and others pessimistic. So it's hard to know really uh, what what to believe at this point in time. Actually, David, I saw on uh, VanX, one of their predictions going into 2024, we're going to talk to VanX about their crypto predictions, but their crypto group is actually predicting recession in the mm-hmm. first half of Q1. Uh, 2024. So it's always going to be perpetually this debate is are things good? Are things going to get bad soon? We don't really know at this point. The, the whole recession predictors is just like that gif of the truck running into the wall, but right before <laughs> it runs into the wall, it cuts and then it kind of repeats and then yeah. you're waiting for it to crash and just yeah. hasn't come yet. It's been but like, at some point I've, I've been, it will. I've been referencing that meme for like two years now. Yeah. I mean, recessions do come. I mean, everything's cyclical, right? Uh, we'll have to see. That's a discussion topic for 2024. But on today's episode, what else are we going to cover, David? Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Jito airdrop that just started trading on Solana. It's perhaps Solana's uni airdrop moment. We're going to talk about what the valuation is of that. We also got crypto versus the treasury. Oof. 
And then also Jamie Dimon simping for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, <laughs> get out your cringe hats and put them on. We're going to get to all of that and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, our preferred crypto exchange for 2023 and 2024. If you do not have an account with Kraken, consider clicking the links in the show notes to getting started with Kraken today. Kraken knows crypto. Kraken's been in the crypto game for over a decade, and as one of the largest and most trusted exchanges in the industry, Kraken is on the journey with all of us to see what crypto can be. Human history is a story of progress. It's part of us, hardwired. We're designed to seek change everywhere, to improve, to strive. And if anything can be improved, why not finance? Crypto is a financial system designed with the modern world in mind. Instant permissionless, and 24-7. It's not perfect, and nothing ever will be perfect. But crypto is a world-changing technology at a time when the world needs it the most. That's the Kraken mission, to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency so that you and the rest of the world can achieve financial freedom and inclusion. Head on over to kraken.com slash bankless to see what crypto can be. Not investment advice, crypto trading involves risk of loss. Cryptocurrency services are provided to U.S. and U.S. territory customers by Payward Ventures, Inc., PVI, doing business as Kraken. Introducing GMX V2, the deepest on-chain futures market to trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and leading altcoins. With the launch of GMX V2, enjoy the best of both worlds. Lightning, fast trade execution, competitive pricing without having to compromise on custody. With 150 billion trades settled on-chain and over 500 million in liquidity across Arbitrum and Avalanche, GMX is the preferred destination for DeFi traders and community liquidity providers. Right now, over $12 million in Arbitrum grants are being distributed to traders, LPs, and developers building on GMX V2. There's never been a better opportunity to experience the future of crypto trading. GMX and its ecosystem of integrations continue to move us forward. Your wallet, your trades, your choice. Trade on GMX with the exclusive bankless discount code in the show notes and benefit from 10% lower fees. Try it out now at app.gmx.io. Celo is the mobile-first, EVM-compatible, carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. And now, something big is happening. Introducing the Celo Layer 2. It's a game-changing proposal that's going to bring Celo's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared his excitement for the Celo Layer 2 on the Celo Forum. So has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages, like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability, and one-block finality. What does all that mean? Rock-solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo.org on Twitter and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. Big wealth effect coming to Solana uh, starting this week. You called this Solana's uni airdrop moment. This is the Jito airdrop. We mentioned it last week, and now it is out and available. David, give us the details on this. Yeah, so total supply of Jito coming in at 1 billion Jito tokens. Jito is a combination of something like Lido and Ethereum plus MEV Boost. So it is a liquid staking token for Solana. So the Jito Sol asset is Solana staked. So you get the yield of Solana, just like how you get the yield of Ethereum in staked ETH. It also has MEV capture baked into it as well. And so you get the issuance of Solana baked into the Jito, the Sol Jito token. And then you also get whatever MEV is captured through the Jito client. You smack these things together, you get Jito. Uh, it is decently like, it's one of these applications that also is very, very related to the layer one in the same way that like Rocket Pool or Lido or Stakewise are, are applications of Ethereum that relate to the protocol. So it is a, to say it's like a big deal in the Solana community is kind of like an understatement. It's closer to like critical infrastructure. Uh, there's other alternatives to Jito, but it's kind of like the beloved uh, uh, staking token of, of Solana. Well, so, uh, okay, 1 billion token supply currently trading. I think if you had Coinbase up uh, a second ago, currently trading at 1.87, uh, $1.87. It, it got up to like $2.01, got down so to what, what's the valuation on that sucker? Valuation's coming in at $1.88 billion. For wow. comparison purposes, Ryan, Lido on Ethereum is about $2.5 billion. So it's not it's within striking distance of being a Lido valuation. We are seeing it discover price right now. Uh, yeah. It's been trading for like an hour or so, uh, so still in price discovery mode. Um, but things are settling around the one point nine to two dollar mark. 
so yeah, $2 billion just got minted out of thin air uh, to the Solana ecosystem through the Lido airdrop, uh, excuse That's, me, the Gito airdrop. That, that is an act- absolutely incredible wealth generation event, mm-hmm. I think, for uh, a lot of folks in the Solana community. And uh, Steven Doge Toshi on uh, Twitter puts it this way, the Solana airdrop farming is going to be split into the pre and post Gito eras. Expect crazy mercenary liquidity to come into the ecosystem if GTO trades well. It looks like it is trading well, yes. at least uh, at first. And so this is where maybe the comparison to uh, Uniswap comes in from a 2022 mm-hmm. Ethereum airdrop that was very widely distributed. I think there's like wide. 200, yeah. you know, 150 to 200,000 ETH addresses that were eligible mm-hmm. for this. And it created a, a pretty large wealth effect. And then every airdrop since has been smaller in size, smaller in scope uh, yeah. on Ethereum. And it's kind of like there's the pre-Uniswap airdrop era and the post. Mm-hmm. And I think Doge Toshi is making a similar c- comparison here with, with Gito and the Solana community. Yeah, so I think if I remember my numbers correctly, 250,000-ish addresses. I think it was actually 240,000. I do remember. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, uh, got the Uniswap airdrop. Uh, and then that dropped to $1,200. At, at like trading at three dollars, and so that was about three hundred million ish dollars airdrop from the Uni token to the Ethereum community, setting off airdrop season. Airdrops got bigger after this. Uh, the Gito airdrop is actually roughly relatively similar. So one billion Gito tokens, ten percent was airdropped to the uh, Gito ecosystem, mostly Gito sole holders. Uh, and so if we're trading at two billion dollars and ten percent, two hundred million dollars got airdropped to the Solana community. Uh, so $200 million just put into pe- people's pockets. Here's a tweet. Combined with a bonk, pith, Gito airdrops in the last month, if you did the bare minimum, use Solana a bit, you would have probably netted 20K easily. Feels like DeFi summer all over again. Sounds familiar, so, Ryan. Yeah, massive wealth effect uh, mm-hmm. going on. And for all you bankless citizens out there who use the airdrop hunter that we have on the bankless website, there's about 112 of you who completed the tasks for capturing, the predicted tasks for capturing the Gito airdrop. And I believe every th- single one of you got the Gito airdrop. That's 112 of you got a minimum of $10,000. I think some of them got to over $20,000 just from doing the things that are listed on the airdrop hunter. So congrats to all the citizens that followed, the that did the homework did the things, got your on-chain skills up, <coughs> and then did the thing that crypto always do, does, which is pay you to use it. Uh, there is a link in the show notes if you want to do the airdrop hunter. It is across all ecosystems, including Solana. Uh, David, that was a little bit of a self-shill, but oh, that was guys, absolutely a self-shill. It it pays for itself. You guys are going to make money if yeah. if these airdrops continue in this way by by uh, you get doing one these airdrop. In crypto, it pays for itself. <laughs> You only need to get one. Absolutely positive ROI. By the way, we know this is going to happen again because it already happened and it is Mm -hmm. happening now. Anyway, uh, what else we got? David, there's some bad news on Capitol Hill. Uh, Tell me about the U.S. Treasury official and what kind of nonsense is he speaking right now? Okay, so remember, Treasury, of all departments out there, we have the CFTC, we have the SEC. Treasury is the real one. Treasury yeah. is the final boss. Because uh, they do stuff. the fi- financial surveillance. This is like right. FinCEN, It's the anti-terrorism. Yeah, it's the, na- it's the national security arm rather than the Gary Gensler. Like if you have the big doge, little do- doge meme, Gary Gensler is the little doge. And this is yeah. the big doge. And this Janet uh, Yellen leads this office, yes. right? She's the yes. secretary of treasury right now. Yes. And so there is a call from Deputy Secretary Wally Adimino, Adiemo's proposal calls to expand authority, tools, and resources to go after illicit actors in the digital asset space. I mean, all, I'm all a fan of illicit actors not being in crypto. But then they talk about terrorist groups, including Hamas, use new virtual currency methods to move, store, and obfuscate their funding streams, which we've already, as an industry, totally debunked any meaningful amount of activity of this nature. He goes on and says, these methods often use evasive cryptocurrency networks and services, including mixers. They're talking about Tornado Cash here. So the proposal here is really to beef up the Treasury Department's powers under the Bank Secrecy Act, allowing for the targeting of crypto entities and services that facilitate funding for terrorists. Of course, the definitions of who is doing these things is always very squishy. Under this new proposal, a new category of financial institutions under the Bank Secrecy Act would include exchanges virtual asset service providers, virtual asset wallet providers, validators, DeFi apps. The threshold for becoming a highly uh, regulated entity under this new proposal is very, very low. 
including the distribution and writing of open source software. Um, this is what I would call an attack on crypto, right, Ryan? Fair, fair. Yeah, a hundred percent. This is one of the worst things that that I've seen coming out of Treasury, like maybe ever. They they really want to expand their powers and use use kind of like terror terrorist financing as an excuse to do that. We know where this is coming from. Tether might totally be in uh, their sites as well. This is Niraj from Coin Center. This is his take on this. The Treasury Department has recommended a man- massive expansion of warrantless surveillance and power to sanction open source software. This would include expanding the definition of financial institution to include any asset wallet provider, any blockchain validator node, think of an scan, DeFi services like Uniswap, Basically, what this means is treating all wallets and DeFi service providers as if they were custodial, subjecting them to the same AML, KYC, financial surveillance apparatus as a custodial wallet. I mean, David, this is one of those things which is like, this kind of kills DeFi right. in the US. Like, it's, it's kind of like an yeah. extension, uh, extinction event. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean DeFi won't, you know, go outside, but it has to go underground effectively right. in the US yeah. or it becomes uh, a lot more like TradFi. This is um, Austin Campbell's Campbell's take. Do you want to read this out, David? Yeah, I won't read the whole thing because it's pretty long, but there's a link in the show notes for people who want to dive down deeper. Austin Campbell, we've had him on the podcast before, great guy. He says, it has some reasonable points, but is also asking for the broadest expansion of powers since the Patriot Act and in a way that makes a mockery of some of the technical details of modern communication with a side benefit of probably causing major geopolitical conflict due to the overreach. To me, it's a little bit like an Icarus kind of moment for Treasury. It's just like not not being uh, informed about the technology, being just like a, a bull in a china shop when it comes to geopolitical relations and enforcing our rules externally upon other countries, regardless of whether they want them or not. It's kind of it to me feels like a grasping for power over this thing that they should know they can't really have that well, it's much a, it's a hundred percent that but it but it's also i think this is coming from this political push that you know led by elizabeth warren and others to yes. really squash out crypto right? right and so treasury doesn't have the authority to do this to expand the bank secrecy act in the way that they're proposing to like do something as invasive as the patriot act like what authority right. uh, do they have to do that the answer is they don't have the authority so what are they doing they're going to congress to go ask for it, to push for it. And that's why it's been so imperative for Elizabeth Warren and the anti-crypto army to basically uh, tie crypto with terrorist right. financing and Hamas. That's why they've been really pushing that narrative, including through mainstream media. You could see it all coming together and now Treasury saying, yes, we have to do something about that. And we know just what the solution is. Let me go to Congress and uh, you know tell you guys what you should be doing. Oh, Congress put 20 signatures on a piece of paper that talked about the calling of reigning in the crypto industry because of terrorist financing because of this one Wall Street Journal article. Was it Wall Street Journal? Yes. Yeah, well, the Wall Street Journal article. Like, oh, we have to, we like, we now have to do something, even though the foundations for the rationale are completely vapid. Like, most people aren't going to look that far. Uh, they're recruiting others to the anti crypto army as well. Did you see this clip of uh, Jamie yeah. Dimon in front of Congress? Let me play this for you. I've always been deeply opposed to crypto, Bitcoin, et cetera. You pointed out the only true use case for it is criminals, drug traffickers, anti-money laundering, tax avoidance, and that is a use case uh, because it is somewhat anonymous, not fully, and because you can move money instantaneously and because it doesn't go through, as you mentioned, all these systems have built up over many years, know your customers, sanctions, OFAC, it's, they can get bypass all of that. I, if I was the government's, I'd close it down. If I was the government's, I would close it down. That is Jamie Dimon. He is the CEO, longtime CEO of $3 trillion in asset bank. Okay, this is a bank. This is a banker strike back called JP Morgan. And of course, that question was fielded to him by none other than Elizabeth Warren. Do you see, mm-hmm. do you, do you see what's happening here, David? And uh, Elizabeth Warren is, go, is giving Jamie Dimon the opportunity to bend the knee. Yep. And he's just saying, oh, absolutely, I will totally do that. Also, all the services that he says that crypto does to the world, like money laundering and tax evasion and terrorist financing, is just what banks do. That's what banks do. David, he also said that that's the only purpose of crypto. Do you hear his words? It's like, (laughs) that's the only purpose of crypto. David, do you engage in criminal activity? Are you a crypto user? That would be news to me. Oh, wow. So, like, there's at least one person here uh, who... (laughs) is using crypto for non-criminal Hopefully activity. at least two, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'll, I'll, 
<laughs> I'll say I also do not use crypto for criminal activity. I mean, like it's just unbelievable. What a broad yeah. strokes, uh, you know, brush. But mm. is it that surprising that the world's largest bank CEO doesn't like a system to help people go bankless? I mean, is it that surprising? Yeah. Well, I mean, same thing with a political establishment. Yeah. And this is this is what sectors like this have to do. They have to bend the knee because being aligned with the monopoly over violence uh, ultimately is the final game. Sad. Yeah, it's it's it, it is sad. It's sad for the American people. I also wonder here, David, do you know uh, J.P. Morgan has a project, a crypto project oh, yeah. called uh, Onyx? Onyx? Yep. Onyx, yeah, yeah, they've been in collaboration with Consensus for like years now. They had their own private stablecoin too. It's like an Ethereum uh, chain. Like I've actually met people who work for Onyx, and yeah. um, they're smart, know, great people. Yeah, uh, some of them are. It's just a complete private chain. So I, I don't know what he's saying about this. Well, yeah, see, there's this chance that like Jamie Dimon is like, oh, I have to go into Congress and chant the chant that Elizabeth Warren yeah. wants me to chant, and then 100%. in the back, I'm just going to go build on crypto because it's the future. He's playing both sides, right? Yeah. So right now, it's politically expedient to to do this right. thing and make this unholy alliance. Anyway, you can see all the pieces coming together, and this is this is our challenge going into 2024. But I got to tell you, David, crypto markets don't care. <laughs> seems like that on the week. I don't care. Uh, neither Nick do the builders. We got a lot of builder topics to cover uh, in the next section. What are we going to talk about? We got some LST updates to bring to you. Stakewise getting an upgrade. The Mantle Layer 2 joining the Liquid Staking Token game. We have a Layer 2 playing in the LST arena. And then with all of these LST updates, Eigenlayer is opening its doors to more Liquid Staking Tokens and Ether to play in its first AVS that's going online, EigenDA. We're going to talk about that. And we just have a mountain of uh, incremental UX improvements coming to the Ethereum ecosystem Coinbase wallet, enabling free USDC transfers on a variety of different networks. we got cross-chain marketplaces. We're going to talk about all of this and more, but first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. MetaMask Portfolio is your one-stop shop to navigate the world of DeFi. And now bridging seamlessly across networks doesn't have to be so daunting anymore. With competitive rates and convenient routes, MetaMask Portfolio's bridge feature lets you easily move your tokens from chain to chain using popular layer one and layer two networks. And all you have to do is select the network you want to bridge from and where you want your tokens to go. From there, MetaMask vets and curates the different bridging platforms to find the most decentralized, accessible, and reliable bridges for you. To tap into the hottest opportunity in crypto, you need to be able to plug into a variety of networks, and nobody makes that easier than MetaMask Portfolio. Instead of searching endlessly through the world of bridge options, click the bridge button on your MetaMask extension or head over to metamask.io slash portfolio to get started. You know Uniswap as one of the largest decentralized protocols with over $1.7 trillion of trading volume, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap X is the newest product from Uniswap Labs, which aggregates liquidity across the ecosystem to give you the best DeFi trading experience. The best part? It's gas-free and MEV protected. The best prices? Zero gas and MEV protection all rolled into one app. So head over to app.uniswap.org, click the gear icon on the swap page and make sure that Uniswap X is toggled on. And if zero gas trading on Uniswap wasn't enough for you, the Uniswap app is now available on both iOS and Android. Start swapping seamlessly with products from the most trusted team in DeFi. Visit app.uniswap.org to get started today. Arbitrum is the leading Ethereum scaling solution that is home to hundreds of decentralized applications. Arbitrum's technology allows you to interact with Ethereum at scale with low fees and faster transactions. Arbitrum has the leading DeFi ecosystem, strong infrastructure options, flourishing NFTs, and is quickly becoming the Web3 gaming hub. Explore the ecosystem at portal.arbitrum.io. Are you looking to permissionlessly launch your own Arbitrum Orbit chain? Arbitrum Orbit allows anyone to utilize Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Orbit Orbit chain, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you're a developer, an enterprise, or a user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Visit Arbitrum.io and get your journey started in one of the largest Ethereum communities. David, some new uh, crypto UX improvements that have made me bullish on the week. It feels like crypto actually might be starting to solve some of its user experience pain. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things, but the first is Coinbase Wallet. They say the ability to send money anywhere, you can send a link. What have they just rolled out, David? So this is peer-to-peer -peer payments via link, where inside of your Coinbase wallet, you can make a link that has a USDC payment embedded in it, kind of like a link as a bill. 
send that link to somebody, however you want to do that, any sort of messenger. And then that once they click that link, they will be taken to their Coinbase wallet or they'll download the Coinbase wallet. And then that link will be able to dis- dispense to them USDC on any chain on, on which this payment system is working, which is Arbitrum, Base, Optimism, Polygon, and Avalanche. Uh, and so free USDC transfers, zero fees for payments uh, inside of a link. Uh, and so I can just mint a link and send it to anyone. I think one of the themes that we're seeing this week is that UX is not just being improved, it's just being totally obfuscated as much as possible. Also in UX improvements this week, uh, you know the safe multi-sig that basically everyone in in crypto and Ethereum uh, kind of uses? Mm -hmm. Well, now you can sign up using your email address. So removing the wallet wall from the experience, which is is kind of difficult, just uh, sign up using your your Gmail account. Um, Also Zora, has something similar for onboarding new users. Today, we're making it even easier to get started on Zora. All you need is an email in your imagination, no wallet or crypto required. That That's really the theme, this mm-hmm. abstraction from setting up you know, seed phrases and, and, and private keys and all of this difficulty and just getting started in a much easier way rather than going through the kind of the nine-step process that it used to take back in our day when we started in crypto. The same thing that's powering the Zora innovation is also the same way that everyone on Friendtech got their wallets. That's with the Privy backend. Uh, Privy is like a wallet management service. Uh, And so this is just a matter of just like we don't, it's not about making seed phrases and private keys easier to manage. It's just about deleting them and just having them be automatically managed in the backend in safe and secure ways. And so the whole chains are becoming invisible thing is just only getting better and better and better, including this also this recent update from Matcha and also Socket. So Matcha is a DEX aggregator. It's now hooking into Socket to become a cross-chain aggregator, DEX aggregator. So you can swap tokens across chains, access cross-chain liquidity. Uh, and so it's one of these many incremental ways in which all of Ethereum's layer twos are just slowly weaving together in 10,000 different ways. That's so good because uh, chain fragmentation, like liquidity across all of these chains is, is difficult. And uh, now I guess we're, we're starting to bridge all of that. David, there's also some cool things going on in the liquid staking world. And I think this bull cycle, there'll be lots of opportunities to earn yield on top of your Ether. But what is StakeWise doing here? Yeah, so StakeWise V3 is this pretty hotly anticipated upgrade to StakeWise. And it's making the StakeWise staking system more modular. So you can have different like, pods, if you will, like DAOs, sub-DAOs, orgs come together and become a module in the stakewise system so they can kind of govern their own independent uh, structure. So it, it kind of pushes, it pushes um, complexity to the margins and allows people to onboard themselves into stakewise V3 as a part of this larger staking system. Uh, so each individual vault, they call it a vault, can manage their fees, custom MEVs, strategies, DBT, insurance, etc. Um, also, there is a restaking system th- through Eigenlayer. We're about to talk about that in a second. Uh, and so they're, one of the modules is that you can, you can become an Eigenlayer uh, restaking network. And of course, it's also fully permissionless as well. This is very similar to the Lido structure as well, if you guys all remember the episode that we did with Hazu. Uh, Mantle also is entering the liquid restaking protocol. Mantle is an Ethereum layer two. It also has one of the largest ETH treasuries in the world, like billions of dollars of ETH. And they have made M-ETH. Meth. Mantle <laughs> meth. <laughs> uh, and so it has its own native uh, staking token for its own native layer two. Uh, and so they're, they're like, why are we going to use Lido when we have so much ETH? We're just going to make our own. And they have enough ETH to do that. Uh, and so uh, Jordi Alexander has a comment here from Coindesk. Mantle's treasury has been successful in its own right. We want to be like the third largest eventually after Lido and Rock, Rocket Pool. So Big fan of the diversity. Also interesting that a layer two has its own LST token. Uh, you can only imagine the building blocks that they are able to produce with that. Yeah, like like we were saying, I, I do think this is a big story of uh, Ether being exported to other chains and other locations and new yield opportunities for Ether, which uh, brings us, I think, to, to Eigenlayer. So they're mm-hmm. doing some cool things these days. And I think this is going to carry forth into 2024. Every time Eigenlayer seems to open the valve and let some more ETH into the system, it, it almost instantly gets, gets filled up. Is that what's going on this week? Two things out of Eigenlayer this week. They're launching their Eigenlayer partner program, which is basically just a category of layer twos that are using Eigenlayer EigenDA network, their first Eigenlayer restaking network for data availability. So much lower fees, uh, much more stable fees 
just to have higher scalability for all these layer twos that are using them. One of them is Mantle that we were just talking about. Layer N, Celo, Caldera, Movement, Polymer. There's a bunch of layer twos that are all using eigendata availability for their data availability. And this is going to be one of the ways in which these layer twos are adding yield to the native stake rate of restaked Ether. Uh, and so this is the second part of the eigenlayer announcement this week. They are increasing the restaking caps as well. So previously, vanilla ether, uh, Lido staked ether, Rocket Pool staked ether was able to all become uh, eigenlayer restaked ether. They're adding more LSTs as well. Stakewise, Swell, Origin, Stater, Binance, and Anchor are now all liquid staking tokens that are becoming liquid restaking tokens. I know it sounds very complicated, but basically it's just like you get the ETH stake rate because you're staked. Mm -hmm. And then you also get the eigenlayer AVS active validated services, the yield coming from eigen networks as well. Uh, so this is happening on December 18th, that is in 10 days from now. Uh, and so if you were not able to get your ether into the eigenlayer system, uh, they are increasing the caps and increasing the diversity of liquid staking tokens coming into the protocol. Uh, so individual LSTs, will now have the deposit cap at 200,000 ether that is up from 100,000. And then at 500,000 ETH cumulatively restaked, uh, liquid staking token deposits will be paused globally, but vanilla ether always remains uncapped. But why would, why would you deposit vanilla ether when you can deposit, you know, you know, staking ether? Well, yeah, I guess I like my uh, yields on yields on yields, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to stake your stake, right? And stake it mm -hmm. a, a, as many times as you can to juice those yields, I guess. Um, there's obviously a lot, some risk that goes with the territory and in, mm -hmm. in all of these things, but I think this is. Um, I would say we're pretty early on the youth and nature roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, we're, still on the, we're, we're still on the second loop. So we have up. the liquid staking tokens as the first loop. The second is uh, data availability. We'll eventually get pretty degen, but we've got we've got a lot. Of I think this will be a there. big story in 2024. This oh, will be a big God, narrative yeah. in 2024, which is like all of the other services that Ether's monetary value uh, mm -hmm. can actually enable and yeah. and secure. Right, and one of them is data availability. So right. it's very interesting that. Uh, if a layer two is looking for some cheap data availability, um, of course, proto-dank sharding is coming up, 4844. That'll be mm -hmm. native to Ethereum. Then there's all of these other providers that are spinning up, but one of them is Eigenlayer DA, and that is also yeah, secured by Ether, the asset, mm -hmm. but in kind of a, a slightly different way. Yeah. Um, that's going to be really cool to see all of the yield opportunities for ETH in this uh, coming bull run. One particular AVS I'm kind of excited about is the near one. Uh, that's what we did. We did that at Twitter Space with Ilya not too long ago, and he talked about Near's data availability layer, which also leverages Eigenlayer's fast finality settlement system. So, right before you can get final settlement on the Ethereum layer one from your layer two, you can get Eigenlayer settlement assurances uh, using Near's like super fast uh, sharded, you know, smart contract transactions. So you combine Eigenlayer Near. Uh, and uh, all the Ethereum layer twos that are trying to find composability with each other. And you can get settlement assurances, which is basically the silver bullet for getting recomposability of Ethereum layer twos. Mm. And that's also an eigenlayer restaking network. And so the cool thing about eigenlayers networks is that they're not chains, but they are networks. And they are networks that, you know, demand fees. I, I, which David, I, I saw a question from a bankless citizen. What kind of, of services can we build on top of this? Could we build what like an Oracle? What kind of services can't you build on it? <laughs> right? Could we build like a chain link type competitor? And yes. like, you could. You could totally that's, that's secure all, a chain link competitor. In development. It's, it's going to be a pretty um, burgeoning ecosystem mm -hmm. of, of new innovation there. I'm super excited about it. Uh, David, last thing. We got to go check on the bad boys of crypto. Uh, Do Kwan, he's being <laughs> extradited hey, from yo. Montenegro where he was uh, held in captivity, I believe. For and where a is really he being, long time. So where is he being extradited to? There has been a big tug of war between South Korea, where uh, Do Kwon was building Terra, to, versus the United States, where Do Kwon went to school. And I think it's... Berkeley something, Ber if I remember uh, correctly. Stanford, Stanford. Was it? One of I think it was Stanford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, quote, uh, Montenegro's top justice official has previously said he plans to send disgraced crypto tycoon Do Kwon to the United States rather than South Korea to face cr criminal charges. People familiar with the matter said, Ryan, remember when I was in uh, Montenegro earlier this year, right as Do Kwon? Yeah, was yeah I do. There's okay, some so, horror crux joke there, but I won't make it. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with one of the uh, Montenegrin semi-officials, if you will, and he, sh yeah. he showed me the picture of Do Kwon's fake passport that he was using. Oh, wow. 
Okay, so the story was Doquan was in Serbia. He fled to Serbia to hide. Right, I remember that. And then we knew that. And so Serbia I was apparently looking for him. He hopped the border into Montenegro, like bo- crossed the border. There's no real border. You just climb through mountains, I guess. Okay. And then he is in the uh, Podrosia airport trying to fly to Costa Rica, I think. And he has a, he has a, there's a Korean man with a Costa Rican passport in Montenegro <laughs> out of, as he legally crossed the border rare, from huh? Serbia. It was one of the most surreal things I had ever seen. Man, uh, it's, what is the story? How does the U.S. end up with everybody? Do they just say, no, sorry, South Korea, we want him? Like, yeah. what, what gives them kind of authority? I guess the uh, the financial... Yeah, I guess I guess it looms large across mm-hmm. all sorts of jurisdictions, yeah. and so if the if yeah. the U.S. wants Doquan, they get him. Is that how that yeah. works? Doquan Do is a South Korean citizen, um, but he harmed United States citizens, and we have the bigger army, so we get him. I'm a CZ here, Doquan here, SBF here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what well, about Alex Mashinsky? What's he up oh, to? He's he's in oh he's in jail, bro. He's awaiting trial. Okay. I haven't kept up with uh, all the bad boys of crypto, but maybe next week is time for that. David, we got a meme of the week. I think this is quite fitting on the week as we were talking about <laughs> all of the exciting tokens that uh, that we're pumping. What are we looking at? Uh, we have the classic distracted dude meme, and he's got his <laughs> girlfriend, Fundamentals, that he's, look- that he's holding hands with, but he's looking back at this other girl, and that girl is Narratives. And that, Ryan, is what a bull market is. Yep, it's that part of the cycle for sure. Disclosures, guys, on the week, both David and I are advisors for Eigenlayer. We're also uh, angel investors in Immutable and Socket. As a reminder, we are long-term investors. We're not journalists. We don't do paid content. There's always a link to our disclosures at bankless.com slash disclosures. And you got to know, none of this has been financial advice. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone. But we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot. I don't know if y'all saw, but uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty on all charges. If you don't know who Sam Bankman-Fried is, he's the dude who uh, looked like somebody microwave Shia LaBeouf. He, <laughs> he was behind a multi-billion dollar crypto scandal and you know, took a lot of people's money and got had a lot of powerful friends, so he could take a lot of people's money. He was found guilty. And, you know, he made, he made a serious mistake. He, he stole money from rich people. This, <laughs> uh, well, when you think about it, it's really all he did wrong. If you steal from the poor, you're going to be pretty good off. Like, I don't know. This dude is going to go away for a long time. Which is crazy, because I don't really understand what he did. <laughs> But I'm glad he didn't do it to me. I'm like, I'm like, you ever just, because I never got into crypto because I didn't understand it. So you ever just be so dumb you miss a whole tragedy? You just. Because I saw the whole thing coming. I was having FOMO and everything. And then everybody started losing their money. I was like, maybe it pays to not read sometimes. Maybe it's, maybe it's to my benefit that I have stayed as ignorant as possible on very specific subjects in life.